Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week, we bring you movies set in the year 2032. Demolition Man and Star Crystal. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Um, well, we had a delightful conversation that the listeners won't get to listen to. <laughs> it's, you know what, well, you've only been podcasting for like 20 years now. Remember yeah, to record is one of the hardest parts. It's we'll see not what... anybody's fault. We did it the old way. I just hit record before we started. I even started the Skype call. Oh. Now, since I'm doing it differently, I got to wait till the Skype call is initiated. I was all distracted by this text conversation. Fuck. <sighs> Good times. Not really. Uh, all right. Well, for this week, we're stepping away from the haunted houses, jumping ahead to the year. 2032, or as the poster for Star Crystal says, 2035, which turns out to be false. It's not entirely false. We'll discuss it when we get there. Okay. Um, I don't know, Noah. Since you were the first one to watch this movie, do you want to do you want to tell us what Star Crystal is about? Uh, Star Crystal is about they find a weird egg on Mars and it hatches and it has inside of it both a weird little fucking alien and a crystal and they're related in some fucking vague way it's never explained <laughs> i don't think it's, a, it's never fully explained throughout the movie they just put that crystal in there because they already had the title of the movie set i think uh they start running some tests on it uh everybody aboard the ship dies it docks at a space station some more people end up on the ship the whole fucking space station fucking explodes. Uh, and then the the crew is, quote, fingers menaced by this uh, alien, which is kills them all off in fairly quick succession until we only have two left. And then it kind of becomes a siege movie where they're hiding in one little part of the ship from this uh, alien that appears to be growing ever more intelligent. Uh, and then the big twist is that Act 3, it turns out this thing is uh, super smart, and it read the Bible, and now it's cool. <laughs> is that so, what happened? So so it goes from, uh, a, I don't know, I, I'm going to call it a fairly gruesome horror movie, because some of those kill scenes are pretty, like, it dissolves you into goo. It's, it's pretty, I, I dig the special effects. Uh but it goes from that to basically like fucking E.T. <laughs> like is the shift is the tonal shift of this movie. 
Which is just royally fucked. It's... I mean... The, uh... So, so, From Dust Till Dawn is a good example of the fact that you can make these dramatic genre shifts, like mid-film, but... <laughs> But because of the way story works and the way emotions work, the tension needs to go up in a film. So so going from heist movie to horror movie, that works. You know what I mean? I, I think you could do that with just about anything. It could be a comedy for the first half of the movie, and then all of a sudden people get fucking slaughtered. You're like, yeah! But what you can't do is go horror movie to anything else. You can't un-horror movie a horror movie. Like, that is so fucking... And going from horror movie to weird... I don't know. Space-age fucking kid movie? I don't know what the fuck the... Like, it goes it goes from a hard-R movie to a G-rated movie. I was gonna, I was gonna mention that towards the end when, like, they decide they're buddies and the montage of the guy working on the spaceship then the comedic antics of the alien, like getting in the way and he has to shoo him away. I was like, I felt like I, I had turned into an Alf episode. Yeah. That's just like, fair. I keep waiting for Willie to come out and be like, Alf, not the cat. Yeah. Just... <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. even, there's even a scene at the end of this movie where they're playing uh God damn it. What the fuck is, do you guys remember what the name of that game is where you're trying to make your, it's black stones and white stones, and you're trying to make circles around the other person's stones to claim them. And basically, you want to end up with more of your stones on the board than theirs. Backgammon? No, it's not backgammon. It doesn't matter. I, I can't remember. But yeah, the alien but... and the guy were playing a board game. Does it matter what fucking board game is yeah. that? What we're gonna yeah. get caught up on? I keep I keep wanting to call it Montcala, <laughs> but that's a different board game. I love board games. Don't be a dick, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Just say of like, all the things out of this movie, that's probably not the thing we need to like. It's not yeah, really worth it. Nit- it's the whole. I movie will nitpick is... anything I want in this movie. Okay. The whole movie this, is this is movie was... an alien ripoff, and then at the end they're like, "Oh, it turns out it was all just a big misunderstanding." And your problem is which board game were they playing? <laughs> I'm just saying this movie was made in 1986. And it looks, for some reason, especially the spaceship effects, look like they are from 1967. That's, yes. I actually mentioned that when I posted Instagram that I was watching this. I said, the effects are pretty good for a 60s movie. Right. <laughs> it's just, the fact that it's an 80s movie is a problem. But And I don't, like I said, I don't hate the the look of the creature, necessarily. Depending on the tone we're going for. So whenever you're only getting glimpses of it and all you're seeing is like tentacles and fucking goo and people are dying, you're like, all right, I dig it. He's a horrible little tentacle goo monster. But then at the end, whenever all of a sudden he's like glowy, big eyed E.T. thing, I, I think that also would work if if this was a children's movie and that and that that creature had not just slaughtered a bunch of people 20 minutes ago. <laughs> They're real forgiving, eh? When the creature is just like, my bad. I guess I shouldn't have done that. And then they're like, alright. It's all good. And they're just... Now they're just buddies. 
Well, one of my biggest <laughs> things is they kind of justified at the end by saying that it was before its its mind had fully awakened and it was just defending itself and that each time yeah, the people yeah. had actually attacked it first. And I I kind of agree with that, except for the black dude in the hallway. He just kind of bumps into it and it just kills the shit out of him. Mm. Well, to be fair, this this alien read a bunch of Trump material before. So, <laughs> so here's the thing about this movie, though. Like you, you're you think you're joking, but this movie goes out of its way. Like we we talk a lot on on this podcast about movies from the '80s. How sometimes some of the material is inappropriate by today's standards, but you kind of have to let it go. But the racism and sexism in this movie is <laughs> pretty out there, and I would call it hey. pal- palpable. Hey, <laughs> you've cooked before, so you should probably work in the kitchen, yeah. right, lady? But it's not even that. It's how about the fact that there's a scene at the beginning of this where, like, the white guy is trying to make the spaceship work, and the black guy is the whole time complaining because they can't go play basketball. What the fuck is that? He's like, I got the court book, man. We got to get out there. And he's talking in that ridiculously overly black way that's, like, st- like stereotypical jive talking almost even though it's the 80s and you're like that's not that's odd and then just to make sure the sexism's on point they manage in the middle of this movie that takes place in the distant future on a spaceship in outer space they manage to write in a scene where the guy sits down to watch football and the fucking woman's nagging him the whole time and i'm like how did you even do that that's actually clever writing why didn't you apply that to your monster story instead of getting this in here I mean, there's also the fact that whenever they first board the uh, the ship that we're on for the majority of this movie, somebody basically makes an offhand comment of, I, I claim the hot girl, because this oh, yeah. other oh, dude yeah. and this other girl are already interested in each other, and that leaves you with the bitchy, ugly girl. That's exactly what he does. Yeah, and it's like, what? That's not the way human relations work. <laughs> when the when the one girl walks in, he, the thing is, he's like, she's delivering the food because she's worked in the kitchen once before in her life. So the fact that she's like a scientist and an astronaut is now irrelevant. Now she's just in charge of, quote unquote, cooking, which is carrying a large box of food around and offering sandwiches to people. And he just looks straight at her and he's like, you're one foxy lady. And her, she doesn't get offended or bot. She's like, oh, are you really? Because I, I thought I was a little overweight. Oh yeah, <laughs> like right. she's in on the sexism. It's about her. Yeah, and somehow they're all wearing a uniform, but somehow she has the trashy uniform. Yeah, very, it's... very, very Deanna Troy from Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> I was almost remember. Do you guys remember like was a movie called Periscope Down? It's like a comedy movie from the nineties, and yeah. the, the, one of the jokes is when they shrunk the woman's uniform so it like was really tight on her and her breast stuck out. That's what I was thinking of when I saw this girl's uniform. Why'd they do that? Why'd she get a uniform like that? <laughs> oh, Doug, you don't know how the military works. That's a solid point. So I think to give the listeners uh, an idea of how well made this film is, there's a couple of things. We've already complained about the special effects. But the year thing? Yeah, you guys, you guys. If you guys pay enough attention when you watch this movie, at the beginning when the guys are on Mars, the douchebags are on Mars playing football and shit, and then they dig up the rock. The writing on the sc- screen clearly says that it's 2032. 
Mm-hmm. Then later, exactly three months goes by, and that's how we get to 2035. Wow. And that's that is the care and compassion that went into the filmmaking. <laughs> did I mention this is a Corman production, or do we do we not get to that? <laughs> now, when the new world logo popped up, I'm like, well, maybe there's a little hope for this movie. <laughs> They said it wasn't good, meaning Noah. And uh, I'm like, I'm, there may be some boobs just because of Corman. And uh, turns out that was a false hope. Did you guys see the uh, in the one scene when the woman was being attacked by the tentacles? Did you see the human hand come on screen and pull the tentacles back? Because that's, again, the special effects they were using. It was just... <laughs> having someone pull them across the screen and they forgot to cut away before the hand came into camera. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you what, the, the fucked up thing is, I'll be honest, I was kind of on board with this movie right up until the uh, E.T. Jesus twist. <laughs> Honestly, so was I. I because you know what? Sometimes... Oh no, this movie was terrible from the beginning. No, it, was te- it was terrible, yeah. but it was terrible yeah. in kind of an enjoyable way. Like, it was cheesy, but you know, it was fucking killing people and there was people being dissolved and a goo monster and shit. I can, I can, I can forgive a shitty movie for attempting to be entertaining. The problem is, is right after the Jesus twist, this movie ceases to be entertaining in any fucking way. Like it, it instantly becomes so fucking boring. The third act of this movie is just dry as fucking toast. Oh, yeah. And the first two acts aren't that interesting. Like, it's it's one of those ones where I'm like, okay, look, I can understand why back in the day when, you know, you didn't have access to a lot of entertainment, if this was the only movie that was on TV, you might have sat and watched it. That's how I feel about the first two acts. <laughs> the third act is just unacceptable. I'll tell you, the... One of the things that extra pisses me off about this movie is that it has pretty fucking fantastic poster art. Yep. But what does that have to do with the movie, though? Well, there's no connection at all. No, that is false ass advertising. You can't can't (laughs) fucking take a a stinky pile of shit like this and give it great fucking poster art. There's, There's literally people like sleeping in cryogenic chambers on the poster art, but there's no cryogenic chambers in the movie. Or not. And the creature has horrible razor teeth on the poster. Yeah. And he, and yeah. in the movie, he's got a creepy little gooey butthole mouth. <laughs> this is clearly not the same monster. I don't think on the poster. It's, it's like, that's like, uh, it was one of those filters where they're like real life. And then on Instagram, how different you look. That's how it felt when you see the, monster side by side with his own poster art yeah I I hated this as soon as it was over I was glad it was over (laughs) I think that is an acceptable reaction to this movie no I like I knew we were in trouble I wasn't like I turned the movie on and like it was strictly selected for the year in which it's set which is not a great way to pick a movie Um, but you know right when those guys are on Mars at the beginning and they come off and they're just like the like white trash 80s trailer park guys. The one guy's got like his yellow ball cap on backwards and he's got like a handlebar mustache and long hair that hasn't been washed since they left Earth. And I'm just like, 
oh no, this isn't good. <laughs> I can't handle looking at these guys. And then luckily they die pretty quickly, which is nice. But I'm like, I can't. That's not a good way to start your movie. That's not like I, if that's who you think astronauts are. Then I just I'm not sure if we're going very far with this one. If you guys want to know something weird, uh, if you go on IMDb for the reviews of this movie, it has an outrageous amount of ten out of tens. It's bullshit. An it's outrageous who movie. No, well, and troll. people writing these these multi-paragraph glowing reviews about the brilliance of this movie and how worthy it is of everyone's attention, and it's like, no, it is, no, it is not. No, I I should have been worried going into this movie because I really really enjoy shitty alien ripoffs because there's a lot of them and most of them are rather delightful. And this one was one that wasn't even on my radar. And if it's not on my radar, whenever I'm seeking the shitty ripoffs. Well, I mean, I don't know why you would call this a shitty ripoff. This just happens to look like maybe some high school kids were trying to make a shitty ripoff of Alien, but their teacher made them change the script enough that it wouldn't <laughs> technically qualify. Like, That's... what if what if we make the last half E.T.? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sounds delightful. So the monster finds Jesus. Great. Oh, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> you know what you gotta watch? You gotta watch the Good Bad Flicks review of this on YouTube. Because what they do at the last half when the monster finds Jesus, they <coughs> edit in the entire Golden Girls theme song with clips of the movie. <laughs> as though, as though, because the guy refers to the last half as an entire sitcom episode about these two living on the ship together, which is about right. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty, that is pretty accurate. <laughs> Easily the best thing to have come out of this movie. Um, it's Yeah. Like, I would rather go back and watch House 4 again than ever watch this movie again. That's a tough call. You know, pizza, pizza ghost. I don't, want, I don't want to get back into yelling at each other about House 4. I don't think that's... <laughs> like... I don't know. I don't. My my feelings about this movie are: this would be a really great movie for like MST3K to do, so that I could be very entertained by those guys yes. talking about this movie. Yeah, but there's a lot of people sitting around talking. I don't know if that lends itself too well to uh, to MST3K. Well, it doesn't in the sense that nothing they say matters. So the you could ignore what the people in the movie are saying and just listen to the commentary. Sure. But then they're not really doing anything. So there's nothing for them to kind of riff off of. Well, uh, they, they'd have a long time to sit around and talk about the racism and the sexism. <laughs> what about when that one guy wants to check if the chick's dead. So he kisses her to find out. And then he thinks she is dead, but then she's not. I think that's what was going on in that scene. You mm. remember that part? The two yeah. that didn't like each other, but then there happened to be the last ones left over, and it's like, uh oh, it's the '80s. They're going to get together. Yeah. Weirdly, this was the more rapey of the two movies compared to uh, Demolition <laughs> Man. Demolition Man, surprisingly non-rapey, actually. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get I, to I it. feel like I feel like I was violated by that movie. <laughs> Yeah, I think 
I think Doug uh, Doug wrote up the most perfect explanation of that movie, so Doug's going to have to talk about it when we get there. <sighs> but yeah, this movie sucked. Don't ever watch it. <laughs> yeah, Star, Star Crystal? I'm going to have to say, I honest, I can't, I can't in good faith recommend this to people. No. No, I mean, if, if you watch it, it would be because it's like watching a car wreck, right? That's how you would watch this movie. You wouldn't watch it because you're expecting a good movie. You would watch it because you're thinking, how the fuck could this have happened? So I, I, I accept that logic 100% because that is one of the reasons why I love bad movies so much. The problem is the last third of this movie, it's like the car crash happens, but then you're just spending an hour watching like people arguing about insurance. Oh. Yeah, no, yeah, you're stuck in traffic after the car accident <laughs> happens, and you're just going like, but can't we move the vehicles off to the side of the road so I can go watch something else? Yeah, I really I really thought that was going to catch on fire for a second, but it didn't, so I want to go now. It's, yeah, it, it's problematic. Um, and it's, I don't know. You're it, it, The biggest thing is that this movie has too much boring time in it. Okay, any, any movie... That's conflict resolution comes from uh, the bad guy reading a couple Bible verses on a computer screen and then completely changing its outlook on. Let's violence. keep in let's keep in mind that this alien too was studying all of human evolution and all it basically did was read like three Bible verses, which is kind of fucked up messaging to stick in the middle of your movie. <laughs> well, I was gonna say. All of human evolution, in which even it ended up being weirdly biased and racist, because it kept being like, here's a big list of stuff. White people. <laughs> like, here's a big list of stuff. Christian stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel like if it actually read the Bible, it would become sympathetic to the human race. Right, right. It would They're be like, stoning the bitches to death. Like, the, yeah, they... they God sent his son down, and you did what to him? You're all terrible. I'm going to kill all of you. Except with this crazy blood magic. There's a lot of blood magic in this book. <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't watch yes. it. Damn no. it. Watch it free on YouTube. Feel like I got ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is time of your life you will never get back. Oh. And honestly, I spent most of it on my phone on Facebook while it was playing. So... <laughs> Still pointless. <laughs> what about when they have about a 20 minute oh, conversation? That was terrible about... too. Oh no, I'm getting to the terrible part. I'm just not sure if you guys are paying enough attention to pick up on it. No, so it was all terrible. They're in that, sh- that shuttle, right? And they're like, well, this shuttle isn't designed for this far out in space. So they have to plan their route home so they can stop and get supplies and stuff. Which sounds like you're writing an intelligent movie. Until another ship pulls up to ask them if they need any help, and the alien intercepts and prevents them. But then we see both ships, and they're the same ship. So why is that other ship built for deep space, and this one isn't? If they're the same, because this one's the shuttle. They're but but they're the same. But but this one's the shuttle. They specifically said this one's the shuttle. <laughs> yeah, makes about as much sense. It's God also like ET playing board games. This is this is definitely one of those movies, and actually the next one is too, where it's like 
This movie was made in 1986, and they think by 2032 we're going to have giant space stations run by it. And it's like, no, that's not how it's going to work. That's not, Time doesn't go by that quickly. I don't know how, what, how far they think 2032 is away from. Although I guess if they think 2035 and 2032 are three months apart, I guess they don't know that much <laughs> of time. But well, I always thought, thought the fun, the funniest thing is in a lot of these future movies, they predict that will that we would have intelligent AI and space stations and interstellar ships and shit, but none of them were like cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> we will have tiny, tiny communication devices. Star Trek, they always have like a small communication Star, Star, Star Trek did. Star Trek is the, the great equalizer, and I do not include it. Because it is damn near prophetic, but I think it's self-fulfilling prophecy. Because oh, yeah. I think people who are Star Trek fans went out and invented the shit they saw in Star Trek. Yeah. That's why flip phones. Why would your phone flip if it wasn't designed to look like a communicator from Star Trek? Right. right. As, as soon as somebody went, why are we doing this? We could just build them so they don't flip. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, why? And then there's just guys in the background like, oh, man. I mean, I mean that the fact that, like, in the next generation, they're literally using, like, Kindle nooks. <laughs> like, <laughs> Did they ever create, like, Bluetooth things, like a communicator from next generation well like they had ta- the tap little your chest and yeah yeah they had the little tap your chest thing yeah like like i said i think people watched star trek and they were like that's the future i want to live in <laughs> oh yeah and, and, just and, and then they went to work and somebody else went you know what would make that future better if we used that for porn and just dumbed <laughs> us right back down <laughs> that's not that's got like look the the porn thing doesn't just happen with the Star Trek inventions. It happens with everything. Right. That's what I'm saying. Tomorrow, if somebody invented food replicators, the next article was going to be about how you could like scan your dick and make dildos exactly like your dick. I'm sure that I'm sure that that exists with 3D printers already. I haven't looked into it, but. <laughs> what's it? What's it called? Like rule. Rule 34 or something. If you can think about it, someone's made porn of it on the internet. Right. <laughs> All right. How we get on porn can again. We, can we can we talk about something better like Demolition Man? Again. <laughs> uh Doug, I thought your your uh post about this movie on Instagram. It's probably the best best way it was ever rounded up. Do you want to? Yeah, I'm looking tell up what I, that was? I'm looking up what I said because that was a couple days ago and I don't remember things. Oh, I said it's this movie set in a future where people get in trouble just for speaking inappropriately. No one's allowed to touch each other. Individual corporations have taken over whole industries, and the president is a former host of The Apprentice. Totally unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I said uh, that. That is pretty clever. It is good. <laughs> Who could have it's, thought that Demolition so Man and RoboCop were going to be the two that got shit right? <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. You want to tell Do people it. what Demolition Man's yeah. about? I mean, hopefully everyone's seen this one. I'm, if, you, if you haven't, I already recommend it. We'll get into the more detailed discussion. But uh, basically, 
in the not too distant future, well, 1996, which is three years after the movie was made, somebody has invented uh, like carbonite. One of the nerds wasn't watching Star Trek; they were watching Star Wars, so they invented <laughs> carbonite. And uh, they had also seen uh, oh, it's that Kubrick movie where you can instill things in people's brains by showing it to them while they're in prison. Uh, Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange, that's right. So basically they combine those two technologies and the idea is if you commit crimes you're going to be frozen in a block of ice and then we're going to shoot stuff into your brain so that when you get out you'll be not a criminal anymore. Um, During this time John Spartan the I was getting ready to say pause John Spartan God, John Spartan, God, God Spartan is is hunting a criminal named Simon Phoenix. All right, so that's <laughs> where we're at. Um, he in in the midst of this, a building is blown up, in which Simon Phoenix frames it to appear that uh, John Spartan killed a busload of hostages, even though it would be very easily proved that that's not what happened. So both of them are now frozen in this. Years later, Simon Phoenix manages to escape during a uh, parole hearing, and he's running amok. So the uh, John Spartan is brought out because he's the only guy that's ever been able to catch him in the past. And now they're <laughs> well, fighting. Well, that, that and in this perfect utopian future, all of the cops are bitches, so they have no yes. idea what to do when a criminal gets violent. Right. It's a to read off their little screens like approach approach assailant hey put that down well that didn't work i like that i did like the one form it actually says to the thing is like put that down add the words or else or else like (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so this futuristic world where um there is no violence there's you get fined for swearing there's no such thing as toilet paper anymore and you've got these two relics of they're really relics of the 1980s action movie era running around. Like they just pretend that that's what action movies were still like in the 90s, but they're real 80s guys. <laughs> Blowing everything up. There's a subplot involving Dennis Leary running a group of people who live underground because they don't want to be part of this utopian society. And it turns out, I mean, I guess, spoiler alert, that Phoenix was brought forward to kill Dennis Leary so that... Um, Oh, and his name's Edgar Friendly, if you're wondering <laughs> whether that <laughs> ridiculous trend continued. Um, yeah, so then Spartan has to stop Phoenix and then has to basically just give a long speech to everybody about how they should learn to get along. And the movie's over. But, like, virtually everything is blown up by this point, so the movie had to be over. Sandra Bullock tells her boss that he could take that job and shovel it. That's a good point. That's the running joke is that Sandra Bullock is uh, obsessed with 90s culture, but forgets, gets all the phrases uh, mixed up. My favorite one being when she's like, wow, you really licked his ass. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Rob Schneider's there for some reason, just in the background, pretty much playing that character who does the copier thing, but at... A police station. You guys, you guys remember when they used to put Rob Schneider and stuff randomly? You talked about a yeah. Rob Schneider two weeks ago. But yeah, now Adam Sandler is the only one who puts him in stuff. 
So what are uh, you guys' thoughts on Demolition Man? Uh, well, so yeah, besides, besides awesome. the fact that it's awesome, need to bring up the fact that, uh, so this time, I watched it on a great big screen TV, <laughs> full HD glory. And what I didn't realize is whenever he's thrashing <laughs> around in that cryovat, you get a shot of full-on smashed acid balls right up against the glass. <laughs> <laughs> it well, was... It was like, shocking. It, I was like, oh! <laughs> oh. All, I, all I can say is thank God I watched my VHS copy where that is not clear. <laughs> yeah, and then the sucky thing is, since you posted that, of course, when that scene's coming up, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, no, now I have to look. Ah! <laughs> Uh, I was like, sure. how did that? How did that get past the the 1990s censors? It's because just... it's because nobody knew about HD at the time. Oh yeah, nobody nobody thought you were going to be able to make out the balls. It's just, <laughs> oh man, they all thought you'd be watching this like once in theaters, and then maybe later on cable. And either way, you're watching it on like not the quality that we get to nowadays. Yeah. Oh. Oh, dear God. It's so. It's it's like that. Uh, the old. Uh, God damn it! Why is my brain not working? The TV show, the famous one, the Twilight Zone. Jeez. Oh, the 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 Twilight Zone episode where originally all the uh, weird fucked up face people were shadowed the entire episode and only were revealed at the end. Yeah. But whenever you watch it now, because it's clean, you can just see them all perfectly the whole time. <laughs> It's like yeah. that, but with Stallone's balls. Can, can we, are we done? Are we done? Are we done with the balls? Can we move on past the balls? Oh, never uh, move past the balls. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't. I don't think I ever will. I'll never get past it. It's burned in my retinas now. Uh, so what's some, what's some fun things about the future that uh, we have to look forward to in the year twenty thirty two? The three seashells, yeah, I don't... <laughs> that are never explained. No, why would you? You can't explain that. I like the. Um, I like that every time you swear, just if, if a computer overhears you, it just automatically finds you. <laughs> I feel like that's because uh, I, I, I don't know, but was this around the time when they were first coming up with like? traffic light cameras that would automatically issue you a ticket if you ran a red light and like speed traps that would automatically issue you a ticket if you went through and stuff like that. It's probably not too far off. Is that commentary on that? Is that what that's supposed to be? Maybe. Uh, One thing I did find interesting is, uh, is this is a movie about how good things used to be and that people are too sensitive in, uh, Cops aren't allowed to, you know, just beat people up like they used to. And watching that in a modern sense is a little, uh, a little, uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we've talked about this with a lot of like action movies from the other days, which is they are like, if you take them on surface level, they're basically cartoons and they're not really necessarily intended to have messaging. But then you realize that. A lot of people apparently back in the 80s and 90s didn't know the difference between real and fake. And so they see a movie like this and they're like, see, see what happens if you don't let the cops shoot everyone. 
then immediately they become these pussies who don't know how to do anything. And it's like, no, there's, there's lots of, there's lots of stuff in the middle of those two things, you know, you know that, right? Like it's like, it's, it's hard watching this now because you feel like this is what certain people would say is they're like, you're like, well, maybe we should defund the police. Oh, so we should just let crime run rampant. No, no. (laughs) Suggesting changes to society doesn't necessarily mean just giving up on everything and let everything go. It's just, you know, and that's how it sort of feels. This whole movie is like back Mm. in the nineties when, you know, sexual harassment was uh, a common topic for discussion in movies here they have it where the co-workers aren't even allowed to touch each other they walk up and, and instead of shaking hands they don't actually touch and all that and it's like that's again a lot of people are like see what fucking happens if you don't let if you don't if you're not allowed to spank your secretary's ass next thing you know you're not allowed to shake hands with somebody when you get to work and you're like no again there's lots of room in the middle and this is a cartoon movie, so stop taking it literally. But I have trouble believing that movies like this haven't done damage to our society because of that. Same sort of conversations we had during like Iron Eagle and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but right. the, this movie does try to redeem itself because at the end, Stallone does give that speech where he's like, even though he's not the one to do it, because he's like the guy that's <laughs> no. blown up fucking everything <laughs> and killed hundreds of people throughout the course of the movie. But then at the end, he does sort of like when he's got like Dennis Leary standing there and like the other characters on the on the other side. And he's like, why don't you guys just fucking learn to meet somewhere in the middle? Basically, is what he says. to them. <laughs> he's like, isn't there something between this ridiculousness and this ridiculousness? Like if you are, are eating rat burgers just so you don't have to fucking not shake hands. Is that does that make sense to you? <laughs> and you they can't fucking shake hands. Why not? Like. It, so the movie I think tries to do that, but I'm I'm worried about the messaging this movie sends or has <laughs> sent. Well, I've always thought to to me, and maybe it's it's just my interpretation of the film. I've always gathered that the message is about legislating morality, in that that isn't like the point of laws. <laughs> The point of laws is not to get everyone to behave the way you want them to behave. The point of laws is to make sure that everyone is as happy and as well as they can be in a general sense. Which is why, like, if you pay attention, some of the laws they have are fucking great. Like, that is the way it should be. (laughs) Like, like, Mm -hmm. for fuck's sakes, like, that's fine. You know, but but other ones like the swearing thing is ridiculous. The idea that you get fined every time you fucking say fuck, I would be poor, <laughs> so poor. <laughs> so, I think we'd all be poor just after an episode of this show. Oh my yeah. god! But yeah, no, no, it's it's like I said, it's it's really interesting that it's about the extremes. That if you take something good and take it way, way, way too far, it becomes bad again. Yes, I find, but I think you're you're giving credit to an audience i don't think like i i'm not saying you're wrong i'm saying i don't think audiences would get that from this oh i will 100 give credit to the filmmakers i give no credit that most people are dumb yeah yeah (laughs) so i like that's that's i guess my point when it comes to the messaging is not necessarily what the filmmakers are trying to say i think that a lot of people are going especially a lot of people back then when you know political correctness was like a big thing that we were all complaining about um that's when people would have 
good thing that never came back again. Yeah, but they would they they literally would have listened to that speech that Dennis Leary gives about how I just want to go and eat a fucking pick between a steak and ribs and I don't want to have to hear from everybody and all this. They would have seen that as like the hero character. And then the other guys, they would have been laughing. So they would have been laughing with him when he's yelling his nonsense and they would have been laughing at the other people when they're you know, not shaking hands and not being in, and listening to like cheesy old commercials as if that's music and stuff like that. I think oh that's Oh my the god. Problem. I think that's of of all the dystopian future things, that's the thing in this movie that gets me every time that I'm like, if I woke up in that future, I don't know if I could live in that future. <laughs> <laughs> Where the most popular song is the fucking armor hot dog song. <laughs> fuck. Fuck that world so hard. <laughs> See, you say that and then you'd be fined. So, once again, you're poor. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought some of, the, some of the messaging is interesting too. Like the bit where they go to have sex, and of course they have weird helmet virtual sex, because yeah. in the future you're not allowed to put your dick in anybody. Uh, but the argument she makes is is actually a pretty solid argument. The fact that like people were fucking, and then there was the AIDS outbreak, and then they took care of that, but then there was another like fucking std plague and then there was another std plague and then there was another <laughs> std plague and it's like well yeah okay so solid point that maybe people should shouldn't be putting their dick in so many things <laughs> y- yes again i think that i think the messaging that comes out of the movie to an average audience member is going to be more like see the fucking libs just want to tell you I, who you are and aren't allowed to touch. They just they just don't want you to enjoy your life. They hate it when you're happy. Fucking libs. That's what it would be. Because, I mean, there's even the element in this, which I don't know if this existed back then in normal culture or if this is a really early example of it, but the idea that this the leader of this doesn't even necessarily believe in all of this stuff because he, he's the one that ends up bringing Simon Phoenix forward just to, to kill, like, Edgar Friendly. It's so weird when you say the names out loud. And uh, <laughs> he's just so he's the one that did all that. So see, he's not really trying to make the world better for everybody. He just really wants to control you and the people who don't want to be controlled. He'll, he's willing to work with the worst criminals to take them out. That feels like a fucking QAnon-esque conspiracy theory. And I just don't know if those were popular at the time or if this movie's partially responsible for popularizing those sorts of things, <laughs> those sorts of ideas. And it, yeah, I think, I think that's Again, your typical Illuminati conspiracy shit. And that's been around forever. Cause again, like when I watched these movies in the nineties, like 93. So I'm like early high school when this comes out and me and my buddies would quote it and pretend that we were these guys and fight and stuff. But it never occurred to me that it was real. But then as I've grown up and realized how many people think movies are real, it's fucking problematic to say the least that when this, this messaging is buried in these movies, even though it's probably not intentional. Did I, did I take the fun out of the movie yet? No. I, I was going to say lots of, lots of stuff blows up. Yeah, do you want to talk about the part where the guy's looking for guns, so he goes to the museum and he's trying to break the glass? 
that used to be my favorite part of this whole movie when I was a kid. Because hey. he just turns like I say, what do, what do you what do you weigh? And the guy's like, well, actually, and he just picks him up and throws him over the glass. <laughs> I just I love the fact that he's just he's blatantly like beating the shit out of this museum glass, trying to break into it, and that guy just walks up to him so calm, and he's like, can I help you? <laughs> well, what's the exact line he says? Because it's great. And then Simon Phoenix like starts. He goes, uh, "What's your boggle, sir?" Yeah, what's your boggle? <laughs> <laughs> Simon Phoenix keeps quoting that later in the movie, and I love it. Uh, yeah, the argument, like, he could even find a gun if he wanted to. The only place we have guns is museums, and all of a sudden it's just like... Yeah. They all just oh. look at each other. Oh, shit, we didn't think of that. Yeah, I do love that. They're like, our analytical computer has come up with the perfect simulation, and according to this, he will attempt to form a criminal syndicate. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know what the fucked up thing is? Technically, it got it right. He does immediately form a criminal syndicate. Sure he does. <laughs> he just has to break some of his buddies out. Help him out. I, uh, also liked, I also liked the part where they're looking for him and, you know, the the John Spartan character is attempting to do this real police work and, you know, thinking, okay, what's he going to do next? What's he going to do next? And they're like, we already have a plan. We simply watch the screen, and the next time he murders someone, it'll pop up, and then we'll know exactly where he is. (laughs) Again, technically a plan that would work. Uh, The biggest flaw in this movie for me is he's breaking people out of jail, and he's like, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer, we gotta get him. But he was killed in prison way before 2032. Yeah. So this movie's bullshit. You're, you're right. <laughs> Obviously, this movie should have predicted the death of Jeffrey Dahmer. And should have. just used the name of a criminal that was still in the news <laughs> when the film was being made. <laughs> That's what happened. Did you guys think it was weird when Simon Phoenix and John Spartan, I love saying the names, just start fighting? Like, the first time they fight in the future... The first thing they do is fall through some glass and land oh. in a street scene from the 90s. <laughs> of course they did. It's like, oh, we don't have enough budget to just blow up this future. We gotta blow up stuff that looks like now. Because we have that. <laughs> I keep I keep meaning to look up because they predicted that there was going to be some kind of a massive earthquake in 2010. And I would like to look back and see if there actually was a significant earthquake in 2010. Well, I could find out. Obviously not one that buried Los Angeles, but no, but the one in Haiti San was, uh, Angeles. the one in Haiti was in 2010. Yeah. Killed, uh, 321,000. Well, there we go. They were just on the wrong continent. <laughs> Jesus. It killed that many people. Yeah. I did not realize that at the time. Holy oh shit. no, I'm sorry. Earthquakes in 2010 killed 321,000. 160,000 of them were just from the Haiti earthquake. Well, both those numbers are upsetting. Yeah, it is. Does anybody think it's weird that even at the end of the movie, he's still not going to see his daughter? Yes, yeah, I like that weird. that's just co- completely unresolved. That's just dropped. Well, the whole thing, like, and again, because these are 80s action characters 
it doesn't really matter. But it's like he he gets out of the prison and he's like, where the hell is my wife? And they're like, ah, oh, she's dead. And he's like, fine, then I'll bang Sandra Bullock. Like that's just, he's just, it's literally <laughs> like that. It's like the minute he meets her, he's immediately flirting with her Weird. and stuff, which is fine if he didn't, if they just didn't give him a wife and kid, right? Like, Weirdly enough, every cryovac prisoner, same thing. That's what they say. <laughs> ah, my family's dead. Guess I'm gonna fuck Sandra Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know uh, awesome about those. Uh, is, is it safe to assume we all love this movie? Does anybody have any uh, criticisms of it as a film? Jeffrey Dahmer, I told you. That's it? That's what you got? <laughs> That's all I got. No, I, I just, it's a, it's a great uh, popcorn action movie. Yes. The funny bits, the funny bits are funny. The violent bits are violent. Even the funny bits that aren't funny are still funny. Because it's Stallone, and you're like, oh, Sly, you shouldn't have tried that. Yeah. <laughs> the, Definitely, there's an issue where 90s one-liners do not hold up the way 80s one-liners hold up from action stars. You you have the nerdy character that attempts to be a badass by the end of the movie. I'm always a big <laughs> fan of that. The Benjamin Bratt character? Is that, is that his name? Yeah. The guy that joins Edgar Friendly's group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's wearing the fuck yeah. <laughs> wearing like the fucking Mad Max armor over the top of his police uniform. Yeah. I just love the fact that it happens so fast too. It's over the course of like two hours. He completely changes his outlook on life. Oh yeah. It's that speech that Dennis Leary gives about how he just wants to eat meat and drink a beer. I was talking to Char. I think my favorite scene is where Stallone's eating the burger. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they're like, "Do you know what that is?" And he's like, "What are you talking about?" And they're like, "Do you see any cows?" Huh? And then you know, of course, they say it's a rat burger, and he goes, "Rat burger," and he takes another bite. You're telling me this is a rat burger? And he takes another bite. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's just like, "You know what? Not bad. It's <laughs> not bad." And he just keeps eating it. <laughs> he has to know what a rat looks like, though, right? Like. I've been dealing with a rat problem on my property recently, and they do not look like something you want to eat. And there's not a lot of meat on them if you did. They're just gross little vermin. Eh, I think everything's probably delicious if you cook it right. I guess. And I mean, I guess if it's in burger format, all it's, everything yeah. that's you not don't... just meat has been removed and it's ground up. And, and he doesn't see it beforehand. It's yeah, not like no. there's like a rat sitting there, and he'd be like, oh, I don't want to eat that. It's just, oh, it's a burger patty all right cool i'm gonna eat that well i was i was telling char about that too because i was like if i woke up in the future and everybody was vegetarian and you were forced to eat vegetarian food constantly all day every day i think i would totally eat a fucking rat burger <laughs> just yeah again under the circumstances where somebody like has already killed the rat and done all the work to make it into a burger i think maybe yeah. i would Keep in mind, you're not just eating vegetarian food. You're eating vegetarian food from Taco Bell. So it can't be that good. All, all restaurants are Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> we forgot to mention the product placement in the other movie. Oh, oh, they, just have, like, they just have like the space Cokes. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to figure out what was up with those weird fucking bottles. Those bottles that were clearly designed so that when you drink from them, 
the Coca-Cola logo is held straight up to the camera and they drink out of the bottom of the bottle so that the logo is upright and held straight to camera because that's <laughs> probably where the entire budget for that movie came from. <laughs> so there you go. If you're, if you're wondering which soft drink to buy next to me at the grocery store, Coke brought you star crystal and Pepsi brings you <laughs> demolition man. So you make your choice. <laughs> There's, there's a few random things in this movie that I get, I get real excited about. So the scene where he wrecks the car and he's saved by the, uh, whatever it's called, the safe foam. Yeah. And he breaks out and he's like pissed off about it. And he's like, oh, a fucking car filled up with foam. And it's like, dude, you just got into a high speed car accident and you don't have a scratch on you. <laughs> that is that is miracle technology you piece of shit the thing about that is it's not entirely true because he has a little rip in his shirt but now he knows how to fix it and he's mad about that too (laughs) (laughs) because one of the running jokes is that in order to reduce his aggression they gave him knitting skills and sewing skills while he was in carbonite whatever it's called yeah the the ball ice yeah (laughs) <laughs> Doug's not a fan of that <laughs> I do the love, is, I didn't I have do to love the whole plot point where they show what Simon Phoenix's program was and it's basically like just assassination it's like a, all the tools you need to murder anyone in the world <laughs> it's all the shit they uploaded to uh, Neo in the Matrix right <laughs> That is one of the plot points that I found actually really interesting in this movie. Because not a lot of it is interesting from a plot perspective. But at the beginning, when he comes out and he just knows how to do everything, and there's a couple of times people are like, "How did you know the access codes?" And he's like, "I don't know. I just know them. Like whatever." He's just running with it for a while. It's like it's pretty funny to watch. Um, what else is awesome? Just of to, I was go I was going to say, you know, the scene at the end of the movie where. Uh, so evil, bad politician guy also programmed into him the inability to, for Simon Phoenix to kill him. Right. But then he agreed to thought a bunch of other criminals. So now, which, now Jesse Ventura is there to kill him. Yeah. So <laughs> Simon just orders someone else to kill him. And just the look of shock on his face, like, oh, my God, how did he ever get around to my ingenious plan of pissing off the most dangerous man in the world? <laughs> Uh, I did not foresee this consequence of him thawing somebody else out. Damn it. Um, yeah, that was pretty good. I liked that moment. It was kind of like, though, it was the a logical extension of none of the police knowing how to deal with a violent criminal in any way. It's like, okay, this top guy who can do all the planning for all of society has figured out that this guy could become violent, so we're going to stop him. But it never occurs to him that there'd be two violent people because he's just the he's the extreme version of the police who are like we're not trained for this level of violence we're police officers you know did we mention (sighs) that uh odo from beetlejuice is in here (laughs) and he's basically playing the exact same character he's just like future odo for some reason (laughs) it's not far off It's interesting. I don't know why that guy is the way he is when nobody else is like that. But all right. <laughs> I like by the end of the movie when he's actually helped participate with Simon Phoenix, like letting all these prisoners out. At the end, he's like, ah, I'm not going to get in trouble for nothing. So 
Mr. Friendly, do you need somebody to uh, help you with all this shit? They finally they call him out on his bullshit, but all they point out is this weird haircut. And I'm like, well, that's <laughs> the least of his problems. Um, did this movie predict Teslas? Cars that can drive themselves? This can't be the first movie to predict that, can it? Total Recall had that. No. That was like 80, when was Total Recall? 90? Maybe. Fair enough. So. Total Recall also predicted three titted women. We're still waiting. <laughs> still waiting on them extra titty. Yeah, where's, where's that those, extra titty at? Where's those nerds inventing shit they see in movies? Where are you on this one? <laughs> I don't know, are, we, are we actually running out of things to say about Demolition Man already? Well, it takes a maniac to catch a maniac. <laughs> or send a maniac to catch a maniac, either way. Can we talk about the opening scene when Simon Phoenix frames John Spartan from like the death of all these people, right? Basically saying you ran in all caught all half assed and you killed the, we lost all the hostages. But John Spartan says right in the moment he's being arrested, I ran a thermal scan on the building to make sure there was nobody else in there. So you mm-hmm. can check that, right? And you can check that he did do that and that his thermal scan showed that there was no other live people in the building. And then you would either conclude that he is not responsible for the deaths or that he did his due diligence and that the deaths were not his fault, really. Well, I don't know. How do you, so, how's the, how's the thermal scan done? Cause that's going to be the problem. I assume in this, I assume that like that they didn't get into it, but I assume there was technology that allowed them to do a thermal yeah. scan of a building. Well, I just don't know if it's like some sort of technology that like, records it on a screen or if it's just like a pair of binoculars that you can look through it it's thermal shit i will say this uh the most inaccurate thing it predicted was that a cop would ever be held responsible for killing in a civil <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a good point <laughs> uh, especially in 1990 six or whenever the beginning of it was set. I think that was the funny part to me was that in 1996 they had this like dystopian future and the movie's only made in 93 so they thought they were real close to that. <laughs> it's like we're getting there. Let's just make it happen. Not not entirely inaccurate. <laughs> uh, we should mention President Schwarzenegger. Yes. Apparently it was still popular that uh, the uh, government overturned the rule well, that they, you, you had to be born in the United States. Once again, one of the completely inaccurate things, they say he was eligible to run because they passed the 63rd Amendment. I don't know how, I don't know your guys' constitution. I know you'd love to talk about it. How many amendments are there now? Let me take a look. No, oh, well, if you have to look it up, don't bother. To be fair, uh, it is super hard to pass an amendment because... 27 total. I couldn't remember yeah. if it was 27, right. 28. Yeah, 27. But if you try to try to add any amendments anymore, lots of people, because they get worried about their guns being taken away. And we can't be adding any more amendments. Otherwise, we're going to come up with one that's going to outlaw everybody's guns. So no more amendments to anything. Yeah, the, the last one they tried to pass actually passed in the 70s. It was the Equal Rights Amendment, which which very literally all it says is that 
men and women have to be treated equally under the law. That's the entirety of the amendment. It's it's like eight words. It's it's nothing. And it still has not been ratified in the United States because they couldn't rally the support to say out loud that men and women should be treated equally. Because <laughs> it's a slippery slope. The next thing you know, you're not allowed to shake hands when you get to work. See, this movie was right. No, no, no joke. That's pretty close to the argument that they were making. There was this crazy lady who would go on TV and her argument was that if it passed, if you got divorced and you had two kids, well, each parent would have to get one kid because that's the only way to actually do it equally. And, and so she was doing this psycho literalist thing that is not at all what the law said. Yeah. Yeah. America. You're so full of shit. Do you know what I liked that <sighs> she meant was when uh, the scene where Simon Phoenix goes to the museum to get the guns, which we've already mentioned a couple times, but when he's walking around the museum and he's just like speaking in standard 1990s terminology for an action movie, but then in the background, there's just that machine constantly going off, issuing him fines for his language. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's awesome because he's just like, eh, let's see, where would they keep this shit? You've been fined one. Cra- it's just in the background the whole time, and it never stops the whole time until they start shooting nope. up the machinery. I, I was going to say they actually do it through the whole movie in every scene. If you listen real closely, every time somebody cusses, other than when they're in the underground, you'll hear that. Yeah. There's a couple of times where they don't, but I think they're outside, and I think it's almost like that's almost makes the movie even better because it's like, oh, they you can get away with swearing if you get far enough away from the sensors. Okay, that's how that works. All right, now we know. Trying to think of what else. I love his the future gun, where <laughs> it's this super powerful fucking blow a hole in a tank gun, but it has this super long recharge MacGuffin built into it. That's fun. You get to watch fucking uh, Wesley Snipes play with that thing and get so excited every time. <laughs> He's such a cartoon character in this movie. That performance is amazing. Like He like literally <laughs> does little dances when things make him happy and shit. Like there are moments when in that museum when he's going from gun to gun that he's like tiptoeing like a cartoon character. He's like, hey, look at this one over here! Yay! <laughs> Where's them lasers and shit? Uh, all right. Anything else about the amazing Demolition Man? It's really good. Yeah, I'm super glad I, I watched it. I'm like, I haven't seen it in a long time, and I'm like, holy shit! It's actually like a really, really fun movie. Even even knowing that Rocky and Rambo exists, I'm gonna go so far as to say the Demolition Man is probably my favorite Sylvester Stallone movie. Boom. It's tough. It's too bad this didn't become a franchise because if they took something as calm and relaxed as Rocky and four movies in, there was a dancing robot and he was fighting a giant Russian maniac. <laughs> Imagine where this franchise would have gone four movies in. <laughs> Demolition Man blows up half the moon. All I can imagine is for some reason, each time uh, he gets frozen again. And so it just keeps going further and further into the future with each sequel. I love it. Well, I believe he was proven innocent at the end of the movie, right? Right. And and right. all the cryo stuff was broken. 
but yeah. that's that's irrelevant in the sequel. Land. All right, okay. You know it. In the sequel, land, he's just back in there, and then there's two lines of dialogue, and then Sandy Bullock shows up playing the granddaughter of her character from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, he gets he gets charged with a hundred years for all the swearing he did the entire movie <laughs> when he was getting his toilet paper and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back of the deep freeze. Shouldn't have swore so much. I like the fact he wakes up in the future and it's charged him interest, and now it's like eighty billion dollars <laughs> in swearing <laughs> tickets. All right. Anything else? Oh, no. Now cool. I'm stuck on that. I really need twenty six. <laughs> now. Hey man, Stallone might be writing one. You never know. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right. Uh, did anybody watch anything since last week? No. I watched TV shows. <laughs> uh, they always announce it like it's going to be something special, but it's just not really. That's is there something special? Like what? A, what? A, what the fuck am I ever going to reveal that's really going to be special? Be like, oh, I saw the new Star Wars movie. George Lucas showed me the preprint. Pretty cool. <laughs> I got to watch I got to watch all of Mandalorian season 3 and season 2 isn't even out yet well it probably didn't make a whole lot of sense then right uh, season 2 is starting the day before Halloween of all the things to annoy me with I'm like don't start your new right? show the day before Halloween I'm they still gonna quit, watch it but they need to quit pushing these dates around because I think I, I lost track of something somewhere and I was like, oh yeah, and WandaVision starting like real soon. And then I looked at it and it's like, oh, it's been pushed to December. Fuck! <laughs> God damn it! I was so my excited! Phone is, my phone just gives me a countdown now to The Mandalorian. It's like every day I get a pop-up from Disney Plus just telling me when how, how many days left before we get to watch it. Two more yeah, days. You know. This is the way. Seven days. Uh, so I watched the second season of The Boys finally. Yeah, I've been I've been putting that one off. Solid. I don't know if it was good as the first season. No, I don't think it was either. But it's so still, hard. To still like good though. Capture that though. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I dug it. I, I I'd rather not throw spoilers out. But yeah. the uh, damn it. Yeah, there's no way to talk about it without spoiling it. It's pretty hard. The the tie-ins of the bad guys with historical bad guys. <laughs> I I really got into that because I always love seeing those people get the shit beat out of them. That's fun. Talk about Nazis. Yes, I was. There's, I wasn't going to give the Nazi there's, reveal. There's Nazis in the in the trailer. Yeah, so just yeah, yeah. There's something to do with Nazis in this. Fuck Nazis. Yeah, watching watching Nazis get the shit beat out of them. I don't know, and the fact that in this show does so good at both portraying these villains that are so outrageous because you know it's 
that's kind of the nature of the game, but at the same time being grounded in this way that whenever they do certain evil things, you're like, God fucking damn it. Cause there <laughs> are assholes doing that right now. Yep. Like the fact that the evil guy running the corporation is a black guy, just being cool with Nazis. It's like, nah, I don't, as long as I'm making money, I don't care. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like, fuck you piece of shit. Like, you're a double piece of shit. Yeah. You caught up to him on Breaking Bad yet? Uh, no. I keep getting oh. sidetracked from my Breaking Bad rewatch. I don't know. I, I just, for some reason, Breaking Bad just doesn't, like, draw me in like it does other people. It's it's a perfectly good show, and I enjoy it. I just don't feel the need to watch episode after episode after episode. Do you, do you watch it with Char? Uh, sometimes. Oh. Because, like, me and Amanda watch it together because we were both super excited to watch it. So maybe that having somebody to share it with was because, I mean, an episode would end and I'd be like, God damn it. It's two in the morning, but we need to watch the next episode. Well, whatevs. Uh, the boys season two made me never want to drink milk ever again. Oh, God. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so the first I creepy. thought the first season with his fetish was fucking weird enough. In this season, it's way. Well, I don't... All of it, all of his weird, uh, all of his weird, yeah, his weird, well, and some of them I wouldn't even call kinks. Like, he clearly has stuff wrong with him, you know what I mean? Like, his his whole psyche is breaking, and I think it's manifesting through his sexual deviance, if if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, That that part makes sense. That that last part was the most logical thing you said. Ugh! Oh, it's vile. I really enjoyed the stuff with the deep joining a cult. That's, that was fun. <laughs> as soon as as soon as uh, he they asked him if he wanted a fresca, and I don't know why it this clued me in, but I'm like, wait, is that fucking Scientology? Oh shit! It pretty much is Scientology. Fresca. By the way, Fresca sucks. <laughs> I don't have anything negative to say about Fresca, but it, it is super fucking weird that if it's the only thing you offer somebody when they're in like your boardroom at your church. I I did find it interesting that the one time that somebody's like fucking Fresca, he he really like the cult leader guy had this fucking angry ass look on his face, like, don't you ever talk shit about Fresca again? <laughs> the most delightful of beverages but yeah yeah it's all like i said i don't i don't want to spoil it but it's all solid not as good not as good as the first season but maybe that's because it's this season they were trying to shock you mm-hmm. while last season i think like the fact that they were shocking you was just part of the thing that maybe you weren't ready for it wait i think yeah. Part of the show's value is it is shock value, and it last season that came a little more naturally because we'd never seen it before, right? And now they're still trying to shock you, but they can't just do the same things they did last year, last season. Yeah. So like, we have to drive. We have to drive a motorboat right into a beached whale. That part was awesome. <laughs> See, I was gonna say, but like that, that was awesome. Like they, they that fucking hit so hard, and you were like, "Yeah, okay." I was not. I was unprepared for that 
thing, but a lot of the other shocking, like most of the Homelander stuff, I don't, I just found it. It was like they were just pushing your buttons and they were like, oh, this will really get them. And it's like, don't fucking do that. Yeah, but I mean, it's tough because you had him kill an entire plane full of people for profit last season. And then you're, okay, build on that. Like, I don't know what you do, right? Right. So, the yeah. like the parts I found shocking and like really difficult to deal with was when he brings his new girlfriend over to meet his kid, and they just start like usurping the mom, and she's sitting there like, "What the fuck?" Like I'm like, "No, that's like that's beyond that's beyond Nazi evil. What you're doing to this woman is like giving up her whole life to live in this like fake house with her kid. Uh, you're just like show up and be like, ah, we're just gonna let him leave, and just go do all this fun stuff with him." Bring him back here, teach him to hate you. I, see, no I was, I was gonna say, see, but that's a, that's one of those things I was talking about. Where so both both Homelander and his evil fucking girlfriend are these fucking psycho caricatures of beings in this world. But that that type of evil is so fucking real because there's a thousand people right now doing that to their kids. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know. So, like I said, I don't know something, something about that. Them going, oh, blood and guts, blood and guts, and you're like, ha ha ha, blood and guts, and then they're like, but there's also this stuff which is real, and you're like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's what makes him the most evil character ever. Hit another whale with a boat, god damn it! Like, <laughs> <laughs> I did see a drawing that somebody posted on Facebook. There was a picture of uh, Kingdom Come Superman, you know, Superman with like the black shield on his chest, right? And he's holding, in one hand, he's holding up Homelander by the collar. And in the other hand, he's holding up the kid from Brightburn by the collar. <laughs> and he's like, somehow I feel responsible for both of you. <laughs> That's fair. I was going to say, the other thing that they did with this season, and I, and I get what they were going for with the whole right-wing politics stuff, but I think maybe they went too extreme with it to the point of you almost like want to roll your eyes and be like, all right, guys, you, you can take that down. Not see, it wasn't for me. It wasn't that it got too extreme. It's that it was too accurate. And it got to that point of like, I'm like, I, I don't really want to watch the news right now. That's why I'm watching a TV show. Well, that's, <laughs> that's kind like, of, trying to that's enjoy kind of what I mean. They didn't, instead of doing a caricature of it, they they just full on did it like I, almost I, word for, almost word for word in several instances. Like I don't disagree with what you're saying. I would just push back on, is that a criticism of the show or a criticism of society that the, you can no longer satirize what's going on. It's just, I think it's, I think it's both. Like, I don't like the societal bit is bad, but I'm going to criticize the show and the fact that I, I want to watch this show for enjoyment and, and by laying that on that thick, it steals some of the joy from it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I watched that. Uh, I've been re going through the uh, Harry Potter series in audiobook format. Okay. Based on a recommendation from somebody, somebody told me that the guy who reads it is really, really good. And, and they were right. The, so the audible, Harry Potter books are awesome. If you guys yeah. are interested, uh, I'm not. But a good reader makes stuff 
so much better. I've had books that I've been really excited about that I'm like, oh, I'll just get the audiobook because I got like, you know, 10 credits built up on Audible. And then the reader is fucking terrible and it just is a horrible experience. Okay. So I was trying to go through the Dragonlance series, which was a series of books I read like whenever I was in high school. And there's a ton of them. And I was so excited and tearing through them. And then I got to like five books in and it switched to another reader. And and just just so everybody knows his name, his the reader's name is Axe Norman, and that guy can go fuck himself. Like he is he is so bad in every fucking conceivable way. I hate him. I hate the way he reads books. I hate his fucking voice. I hate his fucking face. Cause I know what he looks like. Cause I looked him up to be like, who is this asshole that is reading this fucking book? And he reads like all the rest of them. And I'm not going to finish that series just because of him. Fuck, fuck him. It's awful. Like he's fucking terrible. I hope he hears this and I hope he's sad. <laughs> he might be one of our uh, 75 listeners. I don't know. Ugh, that motherfucker. Yeah, I got uh, Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay, who uh, wrote the book Head Full of Ghosts, which came out a couple of years ago that was pretty good. And it was almost like Siri was reading it to me. <laughs> That's how fucking monotone and horrible the, uh, the lady was, and it fucking ruined it. Yeah. That oh that Axe Norman guy, he basically he does two voices for every single person, in which it's okay if you don't do any voices as long yeah. as you're like animated and stuff. But so he keeps switching between his two voices and then every time somebody yells, he does this thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying about where oh, you I know whisper but you pretend like you're shouting. Oh god, I I <laughs> I'd like to strangle him to death with a telephone cord. He's so fucking mad. Come on, where are you going to find a telephone phone cord? Ugh. That bastard. Uh, so, based on that, I decided to go back and rewatch the movies because I, I've i read the books before and I've seen the movies before, but I've never done them close together so that I could actually, like, compare them. And holy Fuck, I, I, I don't think I ever realized exactly how much they had to change and cut out and all that kind of stuff. Because yeah. the first time I watched the movies, I was always thinking, oh, no, this is pretty close. And that, and that is not accurate. <laughs> they change a lot of... The Ron Weasley character is completely different in the books. He's just absolutely different. And Hermione is less oppressive and i actually read some interview that apparently the guy who did most of the screenplays and directed several of the movies hermione was his favorite character so he just decided to give her all of ron's good lines from the books which is yeah which is fucked up i was like that's weird i was always wondering about that i was like i don't remember her being quite so she's a very different character in the book and he's a very different character in the book because he's not like Ron is funny in the books, but he's not like the butt of every joke like he is in the movies. And Hermione is smart and useful, but she doesn't solve every fucking problem like she does in the movies. Hmm. I don't know. I just thought yeah. that was interesting. I've only ever seen the movies exactly once a piece. And I've never read the books. So I, I always thought the books are pretty good. 
Yeah. Uh, it's a little, is an adult rereading them? Like the first two are a little weird to get through because they were more young adult novels. But by the time you get to like the fourth and fifth book, they're full on fantasy novels, which is weird. Yeah. I guess a lot of a lot of people have said the idea that you know they start out. I think they're eleven years old in the first movie and or the first book, and the first book is written for eleven year olds, and the last book they're eighteen years old and it's written for eighteen year olds, which kind of makes sense. Back when we were like, "Oh, J.K. Rowling's so smart to have the characters grow up, just like the actual kids reading them." And nowadays right. we're like, she's not smart at all. She's a horrible person. Yeah. The queen, the smart qu- and a horrible person. The queen of, sure. she's, she is getting close to being on a George Lucas level of retconning her own stories. Oh, well, that's not even what I was talking about, but sure. Well, that and her saying horrible things. <laughs> all of which are bad. I just, I don't get any of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't understand why she decided to go on rants against certain groups of people, which was dumb. Yeah. And I also don't understand why she thinks that she's scoring like brownie points by just yelling random things on Twitter. Like, just like double doors gay. And it's like, Whoa, <laughs> you need to calm down. JK. Rowling. <laughs> you could have just put that in your books, you know, instead of just shouting it on Twitter then people Eh. might believe you instead of it sounding an awful lot like you're just trying to sneak stuff in. Uh, Yeah. So, so I watched the first three movies. They're all pretty good, Mm -hmm. which put me, so I just finished prisoner of Azkaban, which uh, is a huge plus because it's got Gary Oldman in it. It it should have more Gary Oldman in it's my opinion. Well, I mean, everything should have more Gary Oldman in it. Right. Even things that have no Gary Oldman in it. Should have some Gary Oldman in it. That's right. It's it's hard to argue that point. Right. Did you ever see the meme that's like, uh, uh, apparently this is the show where I talk about memes a lot, um, where it says like, so you're just going about your day, like you're working and stuff, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere you hear you hear cut, and then it turns out. The whole time you were Gary Oldman. He's just that good of an actor. <laughs> I can see it. Uh, on on several occasions, I've tried to watch the movie The Lighthouse and have not been successfully able to watch it. Oh. Which is starting to become a, a growing trend. Well, so the problem with that movie is that is the type of movie that you need to sit there and actually give it your undivided attention and watch it. Mm-hmm. And I keep getting distracted, and then I like I turn away for two minutes, and then I'm like, no, now, god damn it, now my whole experience of this movie's ruined. I gotta restart it. Stupid dog needing food or to go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, shouldn't talk about to... Shar like that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> You're just like, damn it, wife! I'm trying to watch the lighthouse. What do you need? Oh, oh, she, I don't, I don't think she would do that movie at all. No, I've never watched it. I'm, I'm mildly interested, but I know that a bandit would have no interest whatsoever. And so it's a movie I'm really going to have to be fully interested in watching when I watch it. So 
I mean, I bet I bet I've made it 15 minutes in about 12 times at this point. And I can say of that 15 minutes, the cinematography is fucking phenomenal in this like I I just I can't even fucking describe it. It is you know whatever people argue between movies and cinema, which I don't I'm not a big fan of that distinction. But I think this is one of those ones that maybe the snobs could actually point to and be like, no, this is this is what <laughs> making art is on on film and what you do is shit. And you'd have to go, ah, damn it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the, the snobs definitely use this film as an example. I haven't seen it either, so right. I can't comment. But I want to watch it, but it's just got to be like you guys keep saying it needs your undivided attention. It's like, okay, so one day when I have this much free time to just sit quietly and watch a movie and I'm not like distracted by anything else or like exhausted. And I'm like, I never happens anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's directed by the guy that directed the witch, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this one is his art film compared to the witch. So yeah, which is, yeah, it's insane. <laughs> The witch was low concept, <laughs> but like I said, it's it's fantastic and and as far as what I've seen, you know, uh, Pattinson and uh, William Defoe are putting in like fucking phenomenal next level acting bullshit, like because they're talking in this old timey patter that I I just I can't even describe it, and the fact that it's so consistent. I don't know. So, something about it sucks. It's so believable that they are these people. I don't kind know. of reminds it's... me of the movie nineteen. Uh, what was it? Nineteen twenty-two. The Stephen King adaptation. Oh like, yeah. Fucking Thomas Jane, like yeah, knocking yeah. a home run out of the atmosphere. Yeah, where yeah, where Thomas Jane's acting's so fucking hard that you, it's hard to remember that it's Thomas Jane while you're watching it. I talked to people they didn't realize it was Thomas Jane until like half an hour into the movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully I get to finish it one of these days. I keep up. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> uh, and then besides that, I started to rewatch a Lucifer since uh, I guess they're going to be doing the final season here pretty soon. Yeah. Or at least what's supposed to be the final season with a new actor playing Lucifer, which is confusing. But Isn't it? I thought the same one was coming back. So I thought I thought somebody told me that he wasn't coming back and now they have to recast it. But I don't know. But I'm on like season three at this point. It's real solid. I, I dig it a lot. Uh, it's one of those it's one of those rare comic book shows that I'm going. I don't have as judginess going into it because it's not a comic book that I was ever reading i think i've bumped into that character a couple times in like constantine books and stuff Mm -hmm. but but i've never specifically read the lucifer comics yeah i've never read any of them either yeah but it's very Uh it's very good it's it's interesting that they basically adapted it into like a crime procedural Mm. (laughs) almost where it's like solving the murder of the week you know um okay so from what i see originally negotiations fell apart for tom ellis to return but then uh 
I don't know, somebody gave in. I'm assuming Netflix. And <laughs> You're assuming Netflix drove over to his house and hit him in the face with a sack full of gold dollars. Oh, yeah. And uh, in May 2020, he signed back on. So. That's sweet. Yeah. And there, I guess part two of season five is coming out next year. And then they're still doing, possibly doing season six after that. Right. I just hope they finish yeah. it. You know what I mean? Because yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've got my craziness about wanting a last episode and a show just to be done. Yeah. They've been uh, they're pretty good about letting shows wrap up sometimes. Other times, not so much. Glow has uh, sadly been canceled. It was renewed, and then because of COVID, it's just becoming a train wreck, so they can't get it to work properly, so they're just going to cancel it. I was going to say, the one that kind of blew my mind is I've been seeing all over the news that they've basically said Mindhunters is done, which, yeah, that was so fucking popular, I just can't fathom how that one went down well, weirdly david fincher has been saying that it actually has a pretty low viewership and is very expensive to make so he has just turned I... his attention to other stuff so but once again how is that po- how is it possible that that show has a low viewership when like every fucking person you talk to has seen it and loves it yeah i don't know dude i know don't understand it myself I think their metrics just be dumb, you know? Probably. Or Fincher just wants to do something else and doesn't really care that much. But besides that, I'm sure there's other things I watch. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. Uh, what about you, Doug? Is he back? Uh, thought he was. I thought he was as well. well. Maybe he left twice. If Doug isn't back, then I guess I can go. Yeah. Um, so I watched a movie called Disappearance at Clifton Hill. Uh, it's sort of a... Uh, um, more of a mystery movie. Not really much of a horror movie. But this girl, when she's young, thinks she might have witnessed a kid getting abducted. And then, of course, that kid ends up being missing like forever. And she comes back as an adult and is kind of now obsessed with what possibly could have happened to him. She starts digging into it, uncovers a bunch of weird stuff about this town that she grew up in. Um, the notable thing is uh, uh, David Cronenberg plays a true crime podcaster mm. who, who is also covering it. And uh, Is he creepy and weird? Well, of course, he's David Cronenberg. Uh, probably the weirdest thing you'll hear him say is make sure to make sure to rate, rate and review us because that's how they find us. So, pretty much, pretty much, podcast should all just be done now because David Cronenberg played one. So, uh, the movie's pretty good. It's all right. I think it may be a little long, which is weird because it's only like an hour and a half, but just feels a lot more stretched out than it needs to be, but it's pretty decent. Uh, let's see. After that, I of course watched uh, Borat subsequent movie film. I watched that one too. Uh, the funny thing is after we watched it, we were going to bed and my wife just like, Oh shit. 
And I'm like, what? She's like, you had literally had just stopped saying my wife, like all the time. And that's going to start up again, isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, probably. Um, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I would say it's not as good as the first one, but it's, I feel like it's a whole different ball game. Like it's just a different kind of film. And if anything else, the girl that's in it, I thought was very impressive in this movie. Because we all expect Sasha Baron Cohen to be like, you know, at a at a fifteen out of ten on all these movies. And she was like right up there with him, just going along with everything and sort of handling her own stuff like perfectly. Which is shocking standing next to him in a movie like this. But um I enjoyed it. Is what it is. I don't think it's gonna be uh winning Oscars or anything, but no, it didn't do as good a job as the previous film of like kind of exposing the underbelly mm-hmm. of American culture. And I think that's just because that's exposed now for starters. And secondly, yeah. um, I think it just has to do with the fact that like, and they make it a plot point in the movie of Borat can't do what he used to do. Cause now everyone knows who Borat is. Yeah. So they, they sort of make that a plot point in the movie and that's great. Um, but as just like as a narrative movie with these sort of hidden Kramer pranks mixed in, I think they did a really good job. Yeah. I think it's yeah. pretty funny. It's still yeah. fucking weird that like somehow Sasha Baron Cohen can still get people in with Rudy Giuliani. I think they'd be able to sniff that guy out by now. <laughs> you would think so. That's just. So weird. what I, I have not seen it yet. What exactly did Rudy Giuliani do that everybody's all grossed out by? Uh, all right. So there's a plot point. So the girl in it's supposed to be Borat's daughter and she's supposed to be 15 in the movie in real life. She's like 23 or something. So in narratively in the movie, her and Borat get into it and she goes off to become like this YouTuber conspiracy, conspiracy theorist, like host for like some news show or something. Um, and somehow they get it set up for her to do an interview with Rudy Giuliani and she just asks him like all these questions and that really, I don't know. There's, I don't think there's anything crazy that comes out of that conversation, but it's you all know. typical. Well, if they do, I don't remember any of it or it's shit that he's already said before. So I wasn't that surprised by it. I, I he does go on the record and say that China created the coronavirus and then intentionally spread it around the world. Oh, like yeah. intentionally, intentionally created it and intentionally spread it around the world. Yeah, I wasn't surprised by that. I guess. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's telling YouTube conspiracy journalists that yeah, China, China did all this stuff. Um, and then Borat comes in, but he's Borat in disguise. Comes in as a boom operator. And he plays it up like he's trying to get her away from Giuliani for reasons that make sense in the movie, whatever. He kind of gets booted out of the room. And then uh, post-interview, Giuliani and the girl are being very flirty with each other. She keeps touching him on his knee. And then he sort of reciprocates a lot. And then she's like, oh, yeah, this has been crazy. Let's go back in this bedroom and have a drink. And he's like, okay, because that's something normal you would do. With a 15-year-old. 
with a 15 year old. So he comes in and he starts taking his microphone off, which she's helping him do. And then he lays back on the bed. And look, I'm not saying he was intentionally like getting ready to jerk off or anything or fondle himself or whatever, but he was doing more than tucking his shirt in. There was some definite uh, adjusting going on. He was, he was uh, adjusting the wang dangle. Yeah. It was, th- this was not a straight up tuck. It was, it was a full, like moving everything around and yeah. So he was touching himself. I'm just saying it, it may not have been as widely inappropriate as they made it out to be, but still a very weird thing to do with a 15 year old girl standing, standing two feet away from you. And you think that there are no and, cameras on. And had he been told at this point that she was supposed to be 15? I think so. It's not really. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. I, I was going to say, because if he knew she was 15, just him going back into a bedroom to, to drink with a 15 year old girl is yeah. outrageously inappropriate. Yeah. I mean, it, his behavior at best, even if you believed that she was in her twenties, is still inappropriate. Yeah. You know, put it that way. And it's not, it's more exposing the hypocrisy of sort of right wing that believes they have the moral high ground on everything. And it's like, Mm. here's this guy who's best case scenario for this story is that this is this, the lawyer for the president of the United States was ready to sleep with this journalist on a moment's notice. Who's like a third his age. That's the best case scenario. Maybe she's a quarter his age. If uh, she, uh, if, depending on what he believed her age to be. at the time. So definite adjusting going on. Um, and I wish they would have just kind of let, let that situation play out a little bit more. Um, just to kind of see where that was going because then, uh, Borat in, in costume in his disguise or whatever, as the boom operator guy busts in, but now he's wearing women's lingerie and he's telling, Telling Rudy not to have sex with this woman, have sex with me instead. So he's like <laughs> sacrificing himself so he was the guy wouldn't have sex with his daughter. <laughs> and then Julia was like, What? What's going on? What? What? And then just, you know, gets out of the room <laughs> with yeah. his handlers as quick as he possibly can after that. So yeah, it's a definite weird situation. Um one of the funnest parts is that Borat, as Borat, went and spent five days with two hillbilly guys in their cabin when people had to start quarantining because of COVID. Um, Is that all real? Did he spend... The trivia I read is that he spent five days with them and stayed in character the whole time. Um, That's impressive if you pulled that off. I wasn't sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be... Could not be true, but they play it up that way, and yeah, the trivia in IMDb says five days. Just like shit. Five days. So basically, he he sits around with them and talks about QAnon theories, and they talk about how it's it's a known fact that uh, the Clintons will torture children because that you know gets their adrenaline going, and then they drink the blood of the children because it's got all that adrenaline in it. Oh Jesus. That's definitely stuff that happens. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
That's fun. Note, note to self. Not watching that. <laughs> uh, it's all right. They come off as complete idiots. Um, yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's enjoyable. It's 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 like Doug said. They're not. It's not an expose on stuff like the last movie was, but it uh, as a hidden camera movie. It's uh, it's pretty it's pretty good. Yeah, it's and a lot of the stuff like he does is very funny, even if he's not like you say you're not he's not exposing these other people doing all this crazy stuff. He's just doing funny things like him b- bursting in and offering to have sex with Giuliani to protect his daughter <laughs> is fucking funny. And it's it doesn't really matter if he's exposing or what, what you take on it. You know? Well, um. <laughs> They went to that that whatever that conference is that Mike Pence was speaking at. That's pretty funny. And he said he didn't know how he was going to get in without people recognizing him, but he thought he had a, a uniform that would help him blend right in. And he comes walking in in a KKK uniform. And the fucked up thing is nobody stops him. He goes all the way back to the bathroom that he would planned on going into so he could change it to his Donald Trump outfit. And uh, nobody stops him, so fair enough, I guess. But again, that's not. I don't think that's exposing much. No, no. that's just. It's just a visual that's like, yep, that happened for real. Nobody's yeah. nobody's shocked by it. But it's pretty funny when he walks in carrying his daughter over his shoulder, dressed up in like a very realistic Donald Trump costume. <laughs> <laughs> he's yelling, offering her to Mike Pence. I mean, obviously Mike Pence isn't going to accept the gift of a woman in front of a large crowd of people. <laughs> That's not really an issue. But watching him do it's pretty funny. Yeah. I love Sasha Baron Cohen. That's pretty funny stuff, I gotta say. I enjoyed that movie quite a bit, even if like you know, lacks sort of the originality and the exposure element of the first one. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It relied more on like creating a narrative and all that. But that's all right. So what are you going to do? Yeah. They were also filming during COVID. So they yeah. kind of had to, they kind of had to film a lot more stuff in like smaller circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, after that, I watched a movie called Sabotage with uh, Schwarzenegger. Um, so he's part of like a big like DA, like SWAT team type type of thing going on and apparently they're they plan on stealing some money from this big bus they're about to do <laughs> and uh when they go back to pick it up later they find out it's gone so then the paranoia sets in amongst the team of who took it and they all start like turning on each other and then somebody starts picking them off one by one uh, it's an entertaining watch not quite as uh, action-packed as i had hoped but the uh feel like the mystery of what's going on and who's picking off who that was uh pretty good and worth a watch yeah it's been floating around for a long time i keep thinking maybe i should watch it but i never get around to it yeah i'd say it's worth it like i said just don't expect like super high action movie just more of a mystery than anything else yeah see i think that's probably why i haven't watched it yet is because I've been looking for super high action movie every time I mm-hmm. consider watching it. So. Mm. Let's see. After that, I watched Sicario, which I had not seen before. Um, 
it's pretty good. It's about the uh, drug trafficking and stuff over the uh, Mexico border. All Emily Blunt around as she's sort of like roped into this whole thing. The opening scene is pretty fucked up. They like bust this uh, this uh, house where they think all, all like a bunch of drugs is being trafficked through by the cartel. And they go in and they think there's supposed to be hostages in there. And they go in and they like, you know, raid the house. A couple of people with shotguns try to stop them and they end up shooting them. But this one guy gets a round off and luckily, you know, just misses her. She falls to the ground and then shoots him. So then he's dead. But when the, somebody else comes in the room, they look at the gunshot in the wall that where he just missed her and they find like something in it. So they tear the wall open and there's like people like wrapped up in plastic in the walls of this house. So they start tearing down the walls and they find like 40 people in this one house. It was kind of fucked up. Yeah. Basically the cartel just brings them in, puts them in the wall and then plasters, plasters them over. It's kind of fucked up, but pretty decent movie. I'm thinking about checking out the sequel at some point. I don't know. I've heard really good things about both. I've not seen either. Also not a high, high action movie, much more of a, sort of a political political movie but you know it's about uh, special agents in the fbi and task force and stuff like that so there's a lot of like tense stuff going on uh, plays out pretty good so I think it's worth a watch uh watched a movie on shutter called spiral uh, it takes place in the nineties and this gay couple and one of the guy's daughters moves into this like small town and they of course think something weird's going on in the town and it turns out of course there is, um, there's like some druid type stuff going on. So yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it didn't like blow me away or anything, but it was kind of an interesting watch. Uh, then we had a couple people over over the weekend and we decided to watch some movies and uh, we watched the new witches on uh, HBO Max have either of you ever seen the original witches from the 90s Roald Dahl's witches yeah one of the the greatest children's movies ever made yes I've seen it a thousand times (laughs) yeah uh, I have not believe it or not I uh, I didn't see the '90s movie. The teach my teacher around that time read the book to us in class, so I remember the book and I remember really enjoying the story. Just never got around to watching the movie, but it's one of Amanda's favorite movies. The so, fuck. So I need to rewatch it. Like I'm open to watching it, uh, but we watched the new one, and uh, like it's fine. It's a kids' movie, but <laughs> compared to the '90s one. Uh, it is toned way down. Um, a lot more bright and happy than the nineties one was. I could tell just from watching the trailer for the nineties one. Well, and I, the special effects in the, the nineties one are nightmare inducing. Like they're, they're horrific. Yeah. Yeah. That's Henson company, isn't it? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure who made it, but man we uh, i used to rent it from the library all the time and watch it it's yeah. so good 
Yeah, I need to watch it at some point. <clears throat> but just it's one of those that I missed. So just never got around to going back to it. So maybe maybe it'll put it on the list sometimes since me and Doug haven't haven't seen it. Well, it's ones I was thinking about watching the remake, but man, I saw that fucking first trailer and it was like Chris Rock's voice. And I was <laughs> like, okay, this is all tonally wrong. I don't, I don't have any yeah. interest in this movie. Yeah. I do think it's kind of funny. The guy that used to be known for telling stand up jokes to arenas about eating pussy and stuff is like in like a, a super, super kids movie. Uh, but it was all right. Uh, and then after that, one of my friends was like, I've never seen creep show before. And I'm like, you're what you should get the fuck out of my house. And I decided instead of that, maybe I should just show him creep show so that that's not a problem anymore. Uh, it seems nicer to just show him the movie. Yeah. So we watched creep show. It was, I mean, it's amazing. It's creep show. I don't yeah. know what else to say about it. It's kind of hard when you <sighs> talk about movies that, you know, been talked to death it's like well yeah. you, uh, you got to love that butt baboon <laughs> uh and then the last thing i watched uh was the eyes of laura mars which was 1978 which was written by john carpenter but not directed by him and has like one hell of a cast like the uh so the two big leads are Faye Dunaway and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, why is there not a cast list on here? God damn it. Ruining the show. Oh, Faye Dunaway, Tommy Lee Jones. And then what was not on the poster. And then the movie starts and the credits are rolling as Brad Dourif is in it. Oh, yeah. And Raul Julia. I feel like there's somebody else, but I'm completely blanking on who it was. Like that's mm-hmm. almost like that's enough. It's fine. Like yeah, we're right. Impressed. It's just like holy shit. So Faye Dunaway is like a, a famous photographer, and she, out of the blue, starts getting these weird visions. Like she'll be, she's out like shooting, you know, pictures, and then all of a sudden she can't see anything out of her own eyes, but she's seeing through the eyes of somebody who's killing somebody. So somebody said, this is basically just an American Giallo movie. And that is pretty spot on because yeah, the whole movie is her seeing through this killer's eyes every time he kills somebody. And of course it ends up being people that she knows. So then she's trying to figure out who the killer is and who she can trust. And all that kind of stuff. And I thought it was pretty good. So it's definitely sounds, that. sounds similar to hideaway a little bit, but you know, Dean Koontz would have wrote that after this movie and he's known for stealing ideas. So sounds about right. <laughs> you get to do, uh, it's sort of similar without the death connection, I guess. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. And it's 1978, so it's got still got a little bit of that sort of uh, slower storytelling the 70s had. So, uh, worth checking out. Especially if you're a John Carpenter completist, which I definitely am. Yeah, I should become a John Carpenter completist, and I should track down the written ones, because those are the ones yeah. I need to see. Uh, Black Moon Rising, about a government supercar that gets stolen by Tommy Lee Jones and Linda Hamilton. Come on. You know you want to watch that one. 
like you just gave me ten reasons to watch that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, oh, and it's something I've been meaning to talk about for like a month, and I keep forgetting to bring it up. So I've been rewatching Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Um, I think Lee Winnell owes everybody an explanation because there is an episode from the first season of Batman the Animated Series about a guy who gets a suit that turns him invisible and he uses it to torment his ex-wife and pretends to be his daughter's imaginary friend. Then I found out the little girl in it is voiced by Elizabeth Moss when she was what? very young. <laughs> yes. Really? Not even joking. I vague, like I have vague memories of the episode. Yeah. But holy so, shit. He basically ripped off that episode, <laughs> actress included, <laughs> to make the Invisible Man remake. If he's just sitting on it, waiting for her to get age appropriate. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So I even hit him up on Twitter. I was just like, sir, you have some explaining to do. Uh, he was too busy counting all of his money and did not bother to respond to me. So provide you a detailed explanation. What? No. no, and I even put LOL just so he knew I was, I was cool with it. Well, don't you write articles for a comic book? Website. Doesn't this seem like something they'd let you write about? Maybe. Let's see. Maybe I'll bring it up. You know, we probably actually did see that. And he's like, fuck, he's on to me. <laughs> that son of a bitch. He's been hiding under his invisible cloak in the corner this whole time. Uh, <laughs> Hope he doesn't say anything about it on his shitty podcast. Uh, so the best thing about that episode, though, is is so he ends up making a car out of all this material so he can just drive around town in an invisible car. And, uh, of course, Batman's fighting with him and jumps on top of the car and is, like, holding on to, like, the top of the car, and the dude drives away. So the car's invisible, and you just see Batman, like, flying through the streets, essentially. And he passes by two bums that are sitting in an alley, and one of them nudges the other one. See, I told you he could fly. That's actually the part I remember of the episode from however long ago I watched it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, the rewatch has been fun. I just thought that, that episode, I'm just like, what? All right, Doug, you got anything you watched? I don't have much to say. Um, so listeners are hearing this in the beginning of November, which is why we're off horror movies. But in the real world, it's the week leading up to Halloween. So yeah. I watched the the original Halloween trilogy of Halloween, Halloween 2, and Halloween 4. Oh. Um, basically, I don't do we need to get into details. I think Halloween is a very well-made film. <laughs> um, <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys want me to go through the plot description? Or nah, I'm just finding it interesting that that's the trilogy you went with. You didn't, uh, <clears throat> you didn't do the updated trilogy of Halloween... And then, well, I guess not trilogy, just... So here's the story. Trilogy. 1988, Halloween 4 comes out. That's the first one I see. I'm like, well, probably... It's probably the beginning of 89 when I saw it, like, whenever video, right? I think that's the first one I saw, too. Yeah, because I'm, like, 11, right? And it's Mm -hmm. one of the few examples I have of, like, going back 
and finding like holy shit like i watched part four i really liked it I remember my older brother like one day being like you know moron like it's called part four for a reason there's a bunch <laughs> of movies that came before it and i was like oh yeah and so like i had this like vhs tape that we like i don't know if it was taped off tv or what but it had halloween one and two on it so then i would watch one two and four all the time when i was younger and i'd seen three like once in the 80s and knew Myers wasn't in it, so it kind of just fell out of my mind, because when you're that age, you're looking for the mask, right? You're, you want it to be the same killer. So it's like, I would just watch these all the time, and now that they're kind of the original trilogy in my head of Halloween movies. The And they're, like, from a plot perspective, they all do flow naturally into one another, even though it involves a little bit of retconning, but that's fine. That's Especially since they're slasher movies. By the time you get to four, it's just a slasher series. It's not actually the you know intense psychological drama that is the first one so mm-hmm. i i really like all three of the movies they're obviously very different i finally found something wrong with the first one i've often referred to it as pretty much the perfect movie yeah but i did notice that uh on this rewatch i don't know how it took me this long to pick up on this because i try so hard to nitpick things <laughs> but so when the kids get out of school, we see Myers wearing his mask. First, uh, Tommy Doyle runs into him, and then he's hiding behind the bush, and Laurie's like walking down the street and stuff. So we know he's got his mask by then. Mm-hmm. But then, at somewhere between 6.30 and 7 that night, when Laurie and Annie are driving, they come up to the scene of the break-in at the hardware store. Mm-hmm. And the police are there treating it like it's a fresh crime scene, and the alarm is still going off. So either there's a, a small continuity error in the film where they probably shouldn't have shown him in the mask until later on, or the implication is that this hardware store was closed at like two in the afternoon and Myers broke in and the cops of this town suck so much that they just, the alarm was going off and they still didn't bother to attend the crime scene for like four hours <laughs> with an alarm going off in the middle of the day of a store that's already closed at weird hours. Cause why is it closed at two in the afternoon on a weekday? Oh, so you should hit John Carpenter up on Twitter. See if he responds. Call him out on his bullshit. Yeah. yeah I don't, I don't think he's going to care. <laughs> Be like, sir, you have some explaining to do. You made, you made a serious flaw in this film. 40 years ago and I finally found it. It's this and the fact that you can see palm trees are kind of the only two mistakes in the whole movie. <laughs> well, and that one scene that's always bugged me is uh, when Annie's babysitting and she goes to like do laundry and she has to go back and do it in like a shed in the back. And that's because they filmed in California. But I don't think in Illinois you would put your laundry machines in a separate building. Like, no well, place that had... No place that has winter has you go outside to do your laundry, right? As someone who lives in Illinois, I would say that was probably correct. Especially yeah. in a decent-sized town like that one. It's just weird. But that's how nitpicky you have to get to find flaws in that movie. And it's, like, completely offset by the fact that you have, like, just the amazing shots throughout the movie and just... It's one of these movies where every time I watch it, I'm like, man, even, the, like, just the establishing shots of the town are like so perfect like he's just such a craftsman when he makes his movies that it's, it, you're just in awe of it the way everything's filmed and you know there's so many just like when i update like instagram to show that i watched this movie it's like there's so many stills of just shots from the movie that are just works of art and it's really fun so 
Yeah, I've always even enjoyed part five, besides the very end, because that just fucks everything up. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, my continuity snob just can't get over the fact that the Myers house just went from a nice little two-story house to, like, a Victorian giant, giant house out of, the, out of nowhere. Five has its problems. Yeah. The wrong people were in charge of the series by then. That's yes. all it comes down to. Even 4 is like it's a pretty typical slasher, which is fine because I enjoy slashers, but if you take Danielle Harris's performance out of the movie, it probably becomes a subpar film. Like She's just really good, even though she's like a nine-year-old girl acting in it. Yeah. It kind of blows my mind how good she is. Cause the fact that she did such a good performance in 4 and they... Don't let her talk in the fifth one for a majority of it. Yeah, yeah. It's a problem. And then they kill her off right at the beginning of six, right? I haven't seen six in a long time. Yeah. It's, we don't talk about six. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the problems in the, in the Halloween series overall are well noted. But that first film is a masterpiece. I think number two is a perfectly acceptable sequel. You know, they concentrate more on the action elements and the violence and, you know, they do a couple of little mini retcons, but at the end of the day, it's just a sequel. Holds up fine. And four is super fun. And then after that, the rest of the series is hit or miss, depending on what mood you're in. Yeah, like, I saw somebody made a flowchart once of the Halloween (laughs) franchise. It's so complicated. And it's sort of like a yes or no like type thing. Like, did you like this? If you say yes, you go in one direction. If you say no, you go in a completely different direction. Yeah. Well, it's just, yeah, I mean, they've rebooted like somewhat constantly. Because 4 is almost a reboot. Because clearly Myers and Loomis are supposed to be dead at the end of 2. Yeah. And they just do the kind of like, yeah, but were they really? And it's like, yeah, they were. We saw the mask. Never mind. Okay, fine. I can live <laughs> with that because it's Hollywood and you're going to make sequels. And then five introduces like some weird guy getting off a bus dressed in all black. And then six tries to explain who that is, but it's clearly not the same actor. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's just, it's craziness. And then H2O is a hard reboot again. And then like, how many series are there out there where they've done the hard reboot? Like we're going to ignore everything except the first movie. And we're just going to concentrate on that character and bring them forward again. And then they do it again later on in in the same (laughs) series of films. Like that Halloween might hold the record for that happening twice. Oh, Amityville, I guess technically was doing it. Yeah. It's like every movie is a sequel to killings that happen in real life. (laughs) Even though the lamp somehow. <sighs> um, all right. Did you watch anything else? Uh, I watched part of Tremors because like, then it got, it got interrupted and I couldn't watch the end of it. And the only reason that's really interesting is because then the next morning, like right when I woke up and I was still kind of tired and I went outside and there was like these guys pulled up in an old truck and it was like one young guy and one older guy. And it turns out they were here to like gather up some, haul off some trash from my neighbor's house. But it's like, I'm like, are fucking Val and Earl at my house right now? Is that what's going on? Like, it took me a minute to process. <laughs> like, why are the guys from the movie I was watching last night here now? That's weird. <laughs> nice. 
thinking I might rewatch the whole Tremors series and get caught up on the ones I haven't seen. So I think there's Ooh. they kind of they fuck they've I don't know if you guys bring a spoiler alert, but the new Tremors movie kind of calls an end to the series, supposedly. So oh. they're capping it off at seven Tremors movies. <laughs> so it's not I guess there's there's been a lot of comments from people involved that it's not necessarily an end and if they just decide to make another one they will. So uh, I don't know. I'm curious to see how those movies hold up. I remember I always really liked one and four. So you know, out of eight movies I know I'm already gonna like two. That seems like it's worth going through all those stuff. <laughs> you gonna watch the T V series as well? I don't even know if you can find the T V series anywhere. Maybe it's on YouTube. I've never Maybe. seen it. Me neither. I don't think I've ever seen anything other than one. Oh, really? Yeah. I definitely recommend four. Four is the one where uh, it's set in the Old West. And uh, Stephen Keaton plays the great-grandfather of his character from the original Tremors movie. <laughs> and it's all, the whole plot line is about how he was this, like, this, uh, they, I think they actually refer to him as a dandy. And then he learns how to like become like this gun-loving nut throughout the movie. And then, of course, his great-grandkid in the original Tremors is like the survivalist guy living in the bunker under his own house. So it's kind of a, a fun movie. We'll have to try him someday. Yeah. Maybe we'll throw him on the list. Do we, can we dedicate two solid months <laughs> of the podcast to Tremors movies and struggle to find stuff to team up with everything? Uh, I'm sure Noah would be down for it. Maybe. Oh, I would I would love it because I want to watch Noah get all excited and enjoy the hell out of those first few and then Jamie Kennedy shows up like a motherfucker to ruin things. <laughs> That's so uh, true. <laughs> I completely forgot, Noah. Didn't you have something to say about the guy who made Star Crystal's IMDb page? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's very sad. Did you guys look at it? No, I was waiting. No, I was waiting no. to listen to you talk about it on the show. Okay, so let me pull it up just because I want to read you his list of accolades. Okay, I don't think they count as accolades, or we wouldn't be going through this procedure right now. Don't worry, it doesn't take long. So the guy's name is Lance Lindsay. And Lance Lindsay's full film credits are as as follows. Hold on. God damn it, I keep clicking the wrong thing. Fuck, I can't even find his filmography because it's so non-existent. Uh, come on. This is very exciting podcasting. Yeah, so this is great. Yeah, Sorry. For doing this. So, Lance, Lance Lindsay, as actor, is in a movie called Quiet Fire. From 1991, and one episode of McLeod back in the <laughs> 70s. That's a big gap. That's a problem. Lance Lindsay's credits as director. He directed a movie called Real Bullets in 1988 and Star Crystal. The end. <laughs> Writer of Real bullets and Star Crystal. <laughs> the end. You know Producer what? of Real Bullets. Here's the thing. You're calling this sad, but I'm saying this is the system working. 
chance. <laughs> the guy got a chance. He got a second chance, and it didn't work. Go find a new career. And for once, they didn't just let him keep going, and then all of a sudden, someday in the future, he's just somehow in charge of the DCEU, and we got to put up with that bullshit. I just... On everyone, though, on every bad filmmaker, every shit movie we've done, every single like director, if you click on their stuff, it's like, okay, they only directed one thing, but they wrote like six other movies and, you know, they had a career and all this. It's like, no, this dude did everything on two movies and acted in an episode of fucking McLeod, which is so fucking random. It's not that random. What it proves is that the real difference between... Hollywood people and us is just where you're born because he obviously must have lived like where everything gets made if he was able to be in one episode of McCloud and then do nothing for 15 years until he made Star Crystal I will say this the movie he acted in Quiet Fire is a Robert Zadar movie and we might have to that one might have to no, go <laughs> Jesus Christ yeah. Real right. Bullets on the other hand looks bad so <laughs> that might have to go on the list. <laughs> All right. But, but, yeah, but yeah, I was trying to look up information on that guy and like it pulled up and th- his Wikipedia page is just a link to the Wikipedia page for Star Crystal. And the Wikipedia page for Star Crystal is like a paragraph. It's just like there was a movie called Star Crystal. Trust <laughs> us. The 80s. <laughs> <laughs> ben, nice. Lance Lance Lindsay, the director of Star Crystal, has been erased from history like <laughs> like a fucking stain. <laughs> I don't know where we go from there. <laughs> it's just so sad. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right. Should we talk about what we're doing next week? Yeah, let's find out. Yes. Yes, we should. Uh, uh, turns out next week is our 150th episode. Uh, and that's not including commentaries or weird special episodes we've done. Um, so I'm sure it's probably more closer to like 160 or something, but who's really counting? I don't think we've done that many special episodes. I think it's more like 152. Well, I'm saying if you count like the Avengers talk we did or yeah, Star Wars movies that one of them disappeared and, you know, right. stuff like that. Um, so nobody could uh, really come up with a good concept. Movies containing hallways of toothy penises. No, we've already covered that, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So, the concept we came up with, uh, which I've partially changed since we last talked about it, um, just to punish one of you, is uh, we're doing our first ever uh, triple feature movies. So, we're going to do three movies. That's it. For our 150th episode. But since nobody could come up with what they wanted to do for three movies, I decided in the last 15 minutes, (laughs) we are doing a triple feature of number threes. So 
we're going to be doing Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D, if you can find that option to watch it. Got that uh, good eye-popping scene. <laughs> we're going to do uh, Hellraiser number 3, the much maligned, uh, uh, what's that, art show one? You guys remember the one with the fat dude with the fucking CD. Yeah. Really I don't remember three, but I have a three, four, and five, I think, on a DVD that's never been opened. So here's my chance. <laughs> and uh, just for once to make Noah happy and to upset Doug, Halloween three. <laughs> Halloween three, <laughs> Season of the Witch. God damn it. <laughs> Hey, everybody should have uh, chimed in. This is what happens. I had that great intellectual idea for a show, and you guys wouldn't run with it. It's not my fault. Which one was that? I tracked down an actor named oh, Dunbar and dedicated Jesus an Christ. episode to them and not explain it to the listeners and see if they know. No, because I don't even know. So <laughs> it's too much thinking for me. I wanted to make oh. us watch like nine hours worth of films. but <laughs> Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven. And oh. Battle Beyond the Stars? Yeah. That's a, yeah. Lot, that's a lot of fucking... That's a lot of runtime. And then I think I suggested three Vincent Price movies, which everybody said, yeah, okay. But nobody was seemed too too excited about it. Well, you didn't, yeah, so, you didn't give us the list of movies. So. Well, you said we were all going to pick a movie apiece. So... <laughs> See? If you two, if you two had picked, you guys have never gone out to dinner with me. This is what I need. I need everybody else to order, and then I'll be the last guy that's just like <laughs> put me at the end of the list. And I'll know what I want when it gets here. So if you guys had started yelling out Vincent Price movies, I'd have come up with one. Yeah. Well, what we're getting is Friday Thirteenth Part Three, Hellraiser Three, and Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. Why? <laughs> It doesn't even make sense. Just Why do a, they have to be part threes? Because we're doing a triple feature. It's three more sense. days till Halloween. <laughs> Silver <laughs> Shamrock. I made it through. The, I'm going to make it through the Halloween season without having to sit through that fucking movie. And then you guys are going to make me watch it in November. <laughs> yep. Just to throw everything off in your nice, coordinated, uh, you know, organized movie viewing uh just think it'll offset your viewing of the mandalorian i don't what so i'm not going to enjoy the mandalorian now that's i don't understand what you're doing <laughs> no you said you don't want to watch the mandalorian because it's it's not a horror show during you know the day before halloween well that's okay because you're going to watch a halloween movie <laughs> the week after stop halloween trying, stop trying to explain Okay, that's fine. You still got to <laughs> you still, still watch the movie. So that's all that matters. Uh, I'm actually, I'm pretty surprised that you threw Season of the Witch in there and not uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Well, we did Nightmare on Elm Street 3 on the old show. Ah. Otherwise, that probably would have replaced Hellraiser 3. But I don't completely despise hellraiser 3. <laughs> i don't either we'll get into it we'll get into it in the next episode but i don't i don't think it it is quite as shit-tastic as other people seem well to if you were to watch like the fifth or sixth movie and then watch hellraiser 3 you'd be like you know what this one's not bad i actually enjoy the fourth one as well and people fucking hate that one too i haven't seen them in so long 
cannot comment. All right, well, welcome to Hellraiser Month. I'm down with doing a bunch of Hellraiser. Oh, that's what we could have teamed up with the Wishmaster movies. Oh, no, don't. Doug, be careful with your language. Don't say a bunch of Hellraiser movies, because that means we'll have to watch all the bad Hellraiser movies. Oh, and there are so there are so many bad ones. We're not doing the good ones. Not after you guys make me see season of the witch again. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to do fat pinhead. It's gonna be great. What the fuck yeah. was that one called? The fucking the remake one with shitty pinhead. I'm gonna team him up with the remainder of the fucking Amityville films that we didn't get to. Yeah. Put a, put a month together. A year. Fucking! <laughs> if you just type Amityville into Google, the internet slows down. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.